Hello, everyone, and welcome to Communism Survivor. I am your host, Mark Renahan, with my co-host, Joy Vacherbeck, and today's very special guest, Miss Alla Kramer, is joining us. Alla is originally from the USSR and came here as one of the very first exchange students. She went to Iowa and ended up finding her husband and remaining here. And today we are going to hear her story and have a little bit of fun. So without any further ado, I would like to introduce Ala. Ala, how are you? And thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me here. It is our pleasure. Now, you are originally, obviously, from the USSR. So I thought maybe we would discuss your childhood and how you ended up coming to the United States. All right. Well, um, during my childhood, of course, I was growing up during Cold War and um, never imagined being here one day, which is kind of interesting. Um, and um, I was, I, the first time I came be here in 1991, like you mentioned, I was one of the first foreign exchange students that came to um, U.S. and our university had a program or I guess the contract with University of Northern Iowa. That's why I ended up going. And it was just a six-month program. I went back home. And then in 93, I actually came back to get my master's degree at the college. And uh, that's kind of, well, that's when I stayed. And I think the reason is back in the, um, you know, middle of 90s when the Soviet, was the collapse of the Soviet Union, that was very clear that there is no future there. And um, my parents encouraged me to come back to U.S. and um, try to build life here. And the rest well, at least now when you went right to Iowa from Russia, the weather was very similar, I think, with the cold. So you Actually might... not. No? No. So <laughs> if where you were from, the weather was different? Yes. I'm from uh, St. Petersburg. I think at that time it's called Leningrad. Um, because the proximity to the Baltic Sea, it's very mild winters and very mild summers. So I'm telling you, uh, Iowa winters are brutal. <laughs> I, no, yes, no. As a as a so northeasterner. <laughs> all right. So now let me ask you a question. Growing up in, in uh -huh. you know how how was it? All right. How was school when you were a young you know young girl going to school in Russia? What was it like? Um, I know that you you were into you were you obviously been here forever. Mm -hmm. You have an education background. You used to be a teacher, I think, at one mm -hmm. point, if I yep. get that correct. So maybe you could compare to me your experience as a young girl going to school mm -hmm. compared to kids today in America, well, maybe all from when you were younger teaching to now today in America, mm -hmm. but just like to compare the two educational experiences for those watching. Um, education system in Russia was, like everything else, controlled by government. There was no choices. Basically, it was a good and bad thing, to be honest. The good thing is, let's say, the school starts all across the country on September 1st. Still does, actually. It's a big holiday. So they just started school. I didn't know that. And it's the same curriculum all across the country. So if you move from one town to the other, you can catch up exactly where you end up. So in a, in a way, it was, I mean, the teachers had no choice of what to teach. Obviously, nothing was, we didn't have a choice in anything. Um, but from child perspective, that's the only you know, way of living I knew. I didn't know there was a better way. So, um, of course, everything was Communist Party. Uh, from um, be before people joined Communist Party, uh, like in the middle school, it was um, Komsomol, like a young communist. Be and then before there was a pioneer, you can see all my childhood pictures. We have like a, a red handkerchief around your neck and that was a big ceremony to become young pioneer which will lead to communism 
So it's kind of from from childhood they're teaching you to be member of the Communist Party. All right. So I have a, a not a strange question, but do you remember? I'm, I'm assuming you yeah. do, but. So, like, when I was young, Joy, I had, like, social studies. I had science. I had mm-hmm. English. I had, what else did we have? Art. Art, yeah. But same thing. You had the same, similar classes? Yeah, like Art, math. Science. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that uh, we, uh, what's uh, mandatory in uh, Russian schools, which I find interesting not here, is a foreign language. So, that's mandatory in all schools. Uh, the only thing, it's, uh, there is a different if it's the emphasis on the foreign languages or if you want to have your future connected with that. Uh, so you start at the second grade. Otherwise, it's fourth grade. I'm sure it might have changed now. I mean, I've been here for almost 30 years, so it might have changed, but that's what it was back then. Is that where you learned English? Would yeah, you, mm-hmm. so second that, grade. So they start, okay, so that, I, I actually do agree with that. I do think that yeah, learning a second absolutely. language. I think here it's also high school, right? I think I was uh, in middle school when we were given a choice, and we were but given. But it's, it's, it's not a mandatory, yeah. Right. And we were given a choice, and it was also the choices were French and Spanish. We didn't have, yes, you know, yes. I'm not really sure what a young Mark would have liked <laughs> besides those two, and yeah. I, at the time, I think I took French because I, I liked French croissants. <laughs> and I, th- I said to myself, you know, a delicious croissant, it might be nice to order that in French. But it never yeah. went to that point. So, okay, but anyway, so yeah, elementary school, how does the school work? So here, you know, as everyone who might be watching, you know, we have kindergarten, we have elementary mm-hmm. school, middle school, high school, similar in the... Similar, in- yeah. You know, but when I was going, it was a 10th grade, um, and uh, minimum was 8. And after 8th grade, you have a choice, which... Actually, when I was running for school board here, I was promoting that. We had a choice after eighth grade. You either go continue your education, uh, ninth and tenth high school, and then go to college, or maybe you feel like college is not really for you. So after eighth grade, it's still considered high school diploma, but then you go to trade school and learn a trade. So you don't push yourself, if you're not academically advanced, to continue two more years to make a struggle, and then you know you're not going to go to college. No, and, and I, I couldn't agree more because there are people who, in the U.S., it's kind of been ingrained you have mm-hmm. to go to college to Correct. succeed. I come from Boston where the trades are very big, and mm-hmm. I have friends of mine who got out of high school, joined the trades, and are very wealthy, successful people, mm-hmm. and it's it's that's something that why waste your time in school Correct. because you yeah. think you should be there when that. But I, I have some more questions. So, Money-wise, too. How about, like, um, we had to take gym when I was, mm-hmm. you know, did you guys yeah. have physical fitness? Um, but did yeah. you also have sporting no, teams in high school? It. Never I liked physical it. fitness? No, I no? hated it. I hated it. Did, now, did you have, like, okay, so you go to high school. Uh, I know, I'm making this up. It's St. Petersburg High School. Correct. Okay. <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah, whatever it was. Okay. Yeah, okay, so did you guys have a hockey team that played against the other hockey teams? No. No. I don't, no, I don't think we, no, we don't, we didn't have a high school teams like you do sports. They don't? I guess we don't. See, I've, it's been, I already started forgetting a few things. You're right. Thanks for reminding. No, it uh, wasn't like that, but the curriculum was basically, you just go to the gym, you do whatever. Push-ups, sit-ups, whatever, Whatever, yeah. basketball. During winter, because it's snowing outside, we always do did outside like skiing. But it was like cross-country skiing. There were no hills in St. Petersburg. You just go in the park and just go ra- or go around school. I know I hated that because I've tried have, it before. Well, because you have to 
go to school and let me remind you, we did not have a uh, school buses. We don't have school. We have public. There's no school buses. No, there's oh. no school. Okay. It's a public transportation. So if you live close by, you have to haul your skis, your uniform, and everything with you. Um, on the bus too. On the public transportation yeah. bus. Oh, oh goodness, no, All it right, was so not fun. Another question. So I know that here in the United States, there's been a little bit of a controversy over when I grew up. Joy grew up. We always did the National Pledge of Allegiance when we mm -hmm. started the day. And when you were in school, did you guys start with the? Was there a Russian national anthem or a pledge or anything like you? There is the national morning? anthem. No, I know that. Oh, I, I actually enjoy the Russian national anthem. It's a good song, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's got a good beat to it. It was in the movie Red October. But anyway, uh, I love that movie. It's a great movie. But um, so I think they changed the wording now. That, uh, but it's the same before, music. I, I just like Sean Connery's good movie. Yeah, but um, no, so they they didn't. You didn't start the day uh -huh. like you know. Was, no. So did you? You you said you had a Communist Party class like though like. You know, no, I didn't have a class. It was just more like a, I, I don't I don't I don't want to call it extracurriculum activity. It's just you you just I guess you just I, I, I can't even put it in the right words. You just expect it automatically. You're born to be a future member of your okay. communist yeah, party. Yeah, and they don't know any other thing different. Uh, correct. I have a question. Did you have to do any kind of military uh, experience? Yeah, very good. Yes and no. So um, it's part of the government, and again, I'm not sure if it's still that way, but while I was growing, we're going back to my childhood, yes, um, all men were required, it was a requirement, mandatory um, enlisting in service. So after you go graduate from high school, uh, if you did not go to college, you automatically will enroll, and they will actually come knock at your door and say, okay, you turn 18, it's time for you to enlist and go to uh, I think it was two-year military service. If you go to college, you will still have to do it, but you can do it after college, okay. and you enlist as a officer. So it's a little bit better. So I think partly one people why people would go to college to not to go as a what's a good private, Enlisted, yeah, yeah, so you're an officer. Yeah, it is. Okay, yes. but it's it's, it's oh, it's mandatory, and because um, it was during period of Cold War. We were always living in the fear, or our government, that someday we might have a war with the United States. So everybody, regardless, women and men, were trained to be ready to go to war if needed. So when I went to college, which was being a teacher, my background is a teaching degree, so it was a teacher training college. However, for two years we had a medical training because they expect we were expected to go to war um, being a medical personnel so which none of us liked it because we kept saying if i want to be in medical field i'll go to medical college yeah, right. I, it's not <laughs> us but and it was very in-depth training so i actually probably could have be working as a nurse here if i wanted to and they train in high school we used to be trained to um, use ak-47 rifles Really? Wow. And, and everyone was trained to do oh, that? Absolutely, everybody. This is not probably one class that you guys don't have um, besides math and whatever, literature. We had what they called early uh, military preparation class. Okay. And that's when we would, AK-47, how to use it, how to clean the gun, how you learn to shoot, everything like we, that. We, we had oh, every, everyone. We had a similar class. It was called gym. Uh, and we played bombardment and we threw balls at one another as hard as we could. So it was very bad for some people, though, because I recall specifically that I would 
and some of my larger friends, we would pick on the smaller members of the other tide and whip mm -hmm. those rubber balls <laughs> off each other's heads. We did not get AK-47s, thankfully, <laughs> because I'm afraid of what we might have done with them. Anyway, all right, so that is actually quite fascinating because fascinating. I, I have never spoken to anyone who could give me the experiences. Don't ask of, me to uh, shoot AK-47. Now I wouldn't remember. When we're done here, actually, I have brought an AK. We're gonna, no, I'm kidding. We're going to go out back for some time. We are in Florida. Um, no. So, no, all right. Only the men were required to go Yes, but the women were like in college. I had to, in a way, it was a military prep because I was supposed to be a nurse in case of war. So it and uh, like I said, high school, everybody had to do the uh, military prep or whatever you call it uh, with the AK forty-seven and um, study. Maybe we even started study grenades. I mean. I don't remember right now, but it was a whole class, so we had to learn something else besides. Yeah, besides AK-47. Besides, yeah, yeah. So, must have been some, but obviously, didn't I didn't pay too much attention. Okay, so now we're, you're the you're out of high school mm -hmm. and you're in college yes. and the, you go to Northern Iowa University. That's mm -hmm. your first stop. So, a young Allah, how old were you when you first got here? Nineteen. So you're nineteen year old Russian in Iowa. Mm -hmm. What was your first when you first got off the plane? Where'd you fly into? Do you um, it was a little town, Waterloo, Iowa. There's um, a home of John Deere factory. They build tractors there. It was late at night, lots of snow. It was January. I got off the plane, it was dark, snowy, and nothing around me. You must have been like, America, <laughs> yay! I don't know, like, where am I? Yeah. Because, you know, being from St. Petersburg, you know, it's compared to probably like New York here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you're landing in the middle of nowhere. Of, of Iowa. <laughs> Iowa, yeah. nowhere. So that's, all right, so you get there. Now, are there other, are you with um, other There's Russian? a 10 of us, yes. Okay. A group of 10 students. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming you guys were, were a team, you know, friends right from the beginning, but and so then you met your husband, I believe, while you were there? Um, at that time, actually, I was dating his roommate. I didn't meet him at that. I did meet him, but it wasn't, we did not get you know, connected at that time. He was going to college, but um, I was actually, like I said, dating his roommate. All right, so you first get here, mm -hmm. um, and while you're first here, what was your comparison, and, and how, uh, how, I guess, what's the right word I'm looking for? How, how did you... Did you like it here at first? Yes, and I think that's when you're already 19, you're not a five-year-old, you look differently and you're like, wow, that is that fascinating world outside of Soviet Union, or at that time was Russia. Um, and you get rewind a little bit, like back in 90s, right at that time, it was a very difficult time in Soviet Union, it was the collapse of Soviet Union. It was separate countries. It was the country, you know, Russia itself. We had, that was the time of that inflation was extremely high, um, shortage, empty shelves under, uh, at the stores, shortage of food supply. Um, they had a coupon system for foods and goods. Actual, at, I'm sorry you missed my meeting when I spoke about it. I actually showed people a coupon. There will be a coupon saying, let's say, sugar, two pounds, in the, in the date, May of 1990. So you go to the store and you actually just allowed one pound or whatever it was at that time. So the times were really difficult in Soviet Union. So and there we are, 10 of us came to America and we go to Walmart and <laughs> there's everything. If you ever saw the movie, Moscow, uh, Moscow, Moscow Hudson, Hudson, yes. the best part that I think is fascinating and can we all relate to is when uh, Robin Williams uh, went to the store. They asked him to go to the store and pick up some coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he walks in. There is like 
coffee, coffee, coffee. The whole aisle of coffee, and he's never seen anything like that before in his life. Because, I mean, you know, if it's coffee, it's just one time coffee. That's the type of coffee they have. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this is kind of, that scene in the movie describes exactly how we all felt. Because we go to the store and there's everything and anything you can imagine. So it was a fascinating trip. Okay, so now you're a student yep. in college, and you were here for six months at first? Mm-hmm. Just one semester, yeah. January through May, I believe. Yeah. And then you went back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you came back over and stayed for good? Is that yes. Mm-hmm. All right, so now you're back over here, and you're here for good, and you meet your husband. That's when we met That's again. when you met the second time around. <laughs> second time. All right, you didn't make the mistake the second time. You grabbed him up. Excellent. So is that why you came back? <laughs> no, actually, it was a, we ran into each other and kind of like, I think I met you two years ago before, so because it's same town, and you know by that time he graduated, but we uh, had mutual friends and kind of like ran into each other. So So from St. Petersburg to Iowa, it could be like a novel. So all right, so you're now there, (laughs) and how long did you live in Iowa for? Uh, goodness, um, ten years maybe. Let's see, yeah, about ten years. Okay, so when, <laughs> when, you fr- and when you were first here, when did you really say to yourself, I really love it here and I'm glad I'm here? Was it right away or did you, I mean, because it had to have been some homesickness just because you're so used to St. Petersburg or were you like, you know what, I'm I, out and that's it and I'm <laughs> happy? Yeah, because I think the period between when I was an exchange student and then came back and I, you know, the things were going really from bad to worse in Soviet Union. Uh, and I know my parents said, I think you need to consider maybe try to go back because there is no future there. I So that's when I, I, I came uh, to Iowa in 93 back to just visit my friends and went back to college and say, hey, I'm graduating in spring. I'd like to apply for, um, to be, apply for master's program. And that's what I did. So I applied for school and came back like two months later um, to um, go back to University of Northern Iowa College to get my master's degree. Wow, that is an incredible story. From St. Petersburg to a master's degree. So that is <laughs> yeah. So if you hadn't come to America mm-hmm. at that time and you had graduated in St. Petersburg, is there is there little opportunities to get jobs? No, um, I think um, there's no private sector. I'm sure it's now. Uh, but I think to get a teaching job, it, I don't think it would have been a problem. Been okay. hmm. Interesting. How about, like, the, is the pay would have been different, though, compared to a paying job over here? Is it oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yes, right. I mean, I- inflation was so high, and, the, like, uh, when I went back to visit a couple times, one one year you go, and it's one money system. Two years later, it's, like, lots of zeros added. It, literally, I went to the store, and I said, this is my money. Can you say, take what you need? Because I can't understand yes. this. <laughs> I actually do that when I go to Costa Rica. I say, how much? Please take. And they, they, they're very nice. And they, they always. But for me to do it, then they will look at me like I'm crazy because they know, I, they can see I can speak Russian, obviously. And I, and then they're like, where are you coming from that you can understand? And it's like, you've been, if you've been out for a while, you completely lose the touch of it. So it's like, okay, I don't know how much is this bread. Can you just take what's, what you need? <laughs> Wait, but it was the ruble? Is that what they used? Ruble, ruble, yeah. yeah that's okay. I thought it was. They still, they still yeah. do that, but they do. I mean, I probably wouldn't even recognize it because they change it all the time. All right, so my next question, then, I want to go back for a second because okay. um, I know it, it's obviously it's communism survivor, so we're talking mm-hmm. about communism. What was your healthcare system like growing up in, like, you know, if you go, were a kid and you got sick, mm-hmm. what'd you do? 
Did you got like you know we have we have private insurance here as Obviously. we all know. Yeah. So, but right. it, over there it was I'm assuming socialized. 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 socialized yeah. It's a, it's a free um, medical care. So, you know, it's probably from again kids' point of view. I you don't remember? It, I don't. I don't. I, I do remember that. Yeah, we'll go to the doctor, but um, what I kind of had to talk to my dad, ask his what he remembers from that, and what his um, summary was. Yeah, you go to the doctor. It's free, which is true. But I do remember you can wait all day, like long lines, of course, and because of um, the doctors don't have enough, they don't spend quality time with the patient because it has to go fast. You know, there's a lot there's of people, people waiting, waiting for you. Yeah. And of course, uh, I think the biggest one, what I remember is there was no really equipment. We have a very talented doctors there. And actually, a lot of them immigrated to America. And even in Indian River County, I know several Russian doctors. They're talented, but over there, they almost had to, figuratively speaking, operate with bare hands, the equipment. There was, it yeah. was no advanced equipment. So, yeah, you had long lines. You don't have uh, quality care because the doctors don't have time to spend time with you. But what I liked being a kid, I remember, we did have house calls. So, like, let's say you're a doctor working at the clinic. Um, you come every day from, let's say, 8 to 4, whatever hours. So today you work from 10 till 2 in the office, but from 2 to 4 you're doing house calls for those who could make it to the clinic. And the next day it's opposite. Morning is house calls, afternoon is office. So for the kid, being a kid, that was helpful for my parents. If you have a high fever, you don't have to drag your kid to the doctor, which I think shocked me first when I got him. Like, you mean, I have to... I had to take my children <laughs> to, take the my kid to the doctor? <laughs> for me. Yeah, with the, with the fever. So that was kind of, This is, in a way, was a good thing to me. That makes sense. But I still always feel like, now looking from perspective being here, I think it always has to be a choice. Do you want to wait in long line and pay nothing? Or maybe you'll pay more, but you get quality care, um, surgery when you need it, and don't have to wait. So there's always it's a matter of being having a choice. And the doctors seem to have limited resources and, and stuff yeah. to work with. Where here we have a lot more innovation. Mm -hmm. Again, you can go to this doctor, that doctor. Okay, you know what? This one is more advanced, has you know better reviews, and has good equipment. And I'll go. I mean, it's all about choices, and I think that's the biggest you know difference between, of course, socialism and capitalism. You know, you would have no choice and nothing. You know. I like it. All right, so now you're in Florida. You yes. left Iowa, and you have a family. I, I, I remember that you're reading that. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're raising kids now. Mm -hmm. Do you find that there was a difference raising them here than if you were back over in St. Petersburg raising them? I, I, never, I never tried to raise them there. there. So, so I guess that's not a good question. Yeah, that's not, yeah. Nah, that's not well, my best question. how about putting them in school? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I was very involved parent in school, so okay. I think it was having – three degrees in education, Oh yes. uh, two bachelors and one master's, I was kind of, I don't know if teachers really liked me. I was <laughs> very <laughs> involved Aggressive. in the education. Yeah, no, I was, you, you know, they used to, go, they went to Beachland School, both of them for elementary, and I was there volunteering in the classrooms for both of them, at least once a week for each class. So I was always there. Excellent. Um, so, you know, I kind of knew what's going on, and um, I think at I think in general it was good. I don't think there was any, I mean, what's happening right now with the yes. education, yes, but we <laughs> really, that's scary. Uh, likely for me and my kids didn't go through that. It was fairly good. 
I've had a fairly good experience. Yeah, I actually I went to public schools. I had a I, I have no com major complaints. I, I, I enjoyed it. You went to public schools? I did not. My mom was actually a public oh. school teacher, and she oh. saw the system and pulled me out and homeschooled me. So really, I did yes, not know I that. Excellent. No. I don't know if I could do that. Even being, you know, oh being no, a I teacher. know that my parents were like, <laughs> get them out in the morning, and then we'll come back and get them in the afternoon. Yeah. But. All right, so now you're in Florida, um, yes. and you've been living here for a while, and I know you've been very active in the community. So my question now is, um, I don't want to phrase this correctly, is the community, probably, well, I don't really know if you'd have the experience, a little different here than it might have been um, back in St. Petersburg, or does St. Petersburg have a, a, you know, did you have, you know, there's a lot of clubs here that you can be a part yeah. of. Did they have that in common when you would come? I don't know if you remember, though, because you were so young. I don't think we had anything like that. I mean, social life was just going to friends, have parties, but I don't remember any philanthropy or having involved in charity organizations. I don't think we really had it. And, you know, if I'm wrong, if anybody who listened and say, no, that's not true, I just don't remember. I don't think we had anything like that. Okay, and I do have to ask a question. This is for myself. Do you recall... Ignore that. Do you recall um, <laughs> fix, fix when so. you were young? Uh, so one of the things I remember from childhood is when the American Olympic hockey team beat the Soviet Union mm -hmm. in the big. Do you remember that at all by any chance? Vaguely remember, yes. Okay, so it was that big? Was the Soviet Olympic hockey team large over there? Oh yeah. Okay, it was. His so there was no really like um, in high school there was no teams, but the pro. Um, well, we don't. You guys call it professional sports. In Russia, it was never professional because our poor players yeah, paid nothing. Yeah. They paid get paid nothing. But it was very big, like hockey, um, any Olympic sports. And I think our, our Olympic teams and all sports were always, pretty much were pretty oh, always advanced. Good. Yes, always, no, good. Oh, always good. Like yeah. figure skating. Yeah. I, I was yeah. more into winter sports. I was like figure skating or hockey. They were pretty advanced. So, um, yeah, but... They didn't get paid much for that. No, there was no. okay. So this, this was there a lot of pressure from the government on them? Oh yeah, yeah, and no, they could not ever like here. You, I know the athletes can sign contracts and get uh, uh, sponsorships. Nothing like this existed back in the 90s. That's no. actually quite interesting. All right, so now you've been here. We we both 90, 90, no 2003 the hurricane oh, oh yeah I remember them <laughs> so poor timing you know I know that now the 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 country is changing in a crazy bunch of ways over the last few years the pandemic yes. even aside mm -hmm. um, I would like to you to maybe just talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing today and and how it might have affected you from things you've seen in the past so uh, what I've seen recently um, when we were growing back in Russia I we always had you know of course there was government controlled you always had that fear of government there's an intimidation factor you let's say you go to some organization with the paperwork whatever and you're nervous because you know you're right you know everything is correct but they can turn you away or do something and deny or do whatever to you and you have no way to say no 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 i'm right this is correct and i feel that's what start happening here and an example i'll tell you um in march jay and i had to travel um to kansas and we are going to orlando airport orlando airport and we see a tsa agents with the huge um german shepherd dogs at the airport uh on the floor 
there are two lines, a green, I think, or red, blue, and that TSA agent, like, literally barking orders, stay on this line, you on red, you on blue, and those dogs are going between passengers. I don't know what they were sniffing for, drugs or whatever. And you have that fear, and I got goosebumps, and I said to Jay, that's like a deja vu going back 40 years that you at the American airport and you're afraid that they will do something to you. They turn you away or say, no, you can't go. And you're scared because we'll remember that after January 6th, we all had kind of fear of what can happen, that somebody come to your house, get, get you, whatever. And you know you're right, but there's nothing you can do to change their opinion. So I think when I experienced that, and it wasn't just Orlando, then we landed in Denver and flew back from Denver, it was the exact same situation. And the people have that feel like they have authority over you and they try to control. And when I've seen something like this, that's, that scares me. That's just like there's, and of course what's happening at school's education system right now and that cancel cu culture and uh, you know, walk comp uh, with government control people the results, of course, walk companies and right. that cancel culture, you know, again, we're like, wait a minute, that's, that's, that's right. That, you shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. You know, Dr. Sue's been forever. <laughs> my, my, my kids were growing up on that. On those yes, like, we, we talk about this on protecting our freedoms a lot. Too, yeah, so, so yes. it's, you feel like, what direction are we going? It's just that that's a little scary, you know, right. and young people, some of them say, oh, yeah, we you know, they don't understand the social, like back to the doctors, you know, you don't have a financial, it, it, it becomes um, like financial equality. I'm or incentive for that matter too. Yeah, uh, so you, you get like, everybody gets the same pay, you have no way to uh, advance. It's um, all that equality that they tried and they tried to push it here. It's like, what is the incentive? And we can actually see recently, people don't want to work. Because no, I, uh, and yes. it doesn't, it, I know people don't want to admit this, but one of the reasons why people like capitalism is because those who can maybe work or might be a little smarter or whatever, mm -hmm. make more money and can mm -hmm. live a better life. And I know some believe that that isn't fair. I, I'm not one of them, but mm -hmm. uh, it, it, a doctor, a lot of them might, a really smart person might say, you know what, if I'm going to, I'm not going to become a doctor, if I'm not going to be making it, I'll, I'll just go do a lawyer. And then eventually we have no doctors. Not that I go to doctors that often, but still they're yeah. very necessary and they're mm -hmm. very, you know, so. You have to give people incentive to do things in life. I, I guess maybe I'm been here for too long in this country, but it's like, that's, that's makes sense to me, um, incentivize them and. But I that's think what you're both saying is, is the opportunity yes. that's available mm -hmm. here that are, we're not available there. Mm -hmm. So coming here, you have more opportunities um, for better pay. Yeah, not equal. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. Everybody doesn't get equal pay. You can, um, if you're doing a good job, you're going to get paid more. Mm -hmm. um, or like Mark was saying, that business-wise, if mm -hmm. you want to open a business and you have enough capital yeah. and gumption, work hard. Yeah, hard back hard work, in, you're in, in, in in the 80s, we never had private sector there. It, it, it was non-existent. Yeah. I know like right now they do and um, you know I again I haven't been back for almost 10 years so I can't really say what's happening now um, but it's like the, in the past there was no private sector it's all have, people. Have you brought your family to Russia? Yes. So have your kids been over there? Yes. Because I uh, that's a uh, I'll tell you my mm -hmm. brief um, communism survivor story of my own. <laughs> 
So when I was in the sixth grade, uh -huh. I lived in Boston, as I, I've told many of you. And my father took a, a, a business trip, and then he brought my mother and uh, my brother on, left my sister's home, and mm -hmm. we went to China. I mean, it's China at the time. Now, my experience with the Chinese culture at the time was going to the Tahiti restaurant in Dedham, Massachusetts, where we would be great greeted by a you know, very nice Asian gentleman in a suit who would sit mm -hmm. you down. And I loved it because I got a poo-poo platter, which would have <laughs> the little fire in the middle. And I then I could it. eat my steak teriyaki. And, and you know, as a kid, <laughs> yeah. I could start a little fire with a stick. It was great. <laughs> yeah. So when I heard that I was going to China, the only thing going through my childhood mind was that I'm going to be knee-deep in poo-poo platters soon <laughs> and this is going to be the greatest thing ever yeah. so the trip started and we got to hawaii which was a lot of fun and then we went to hong kong which at the time was under british rule and was mm. just i was a young boy and god did hong kong nice and then that was when i got my first introduction to communism and that was on caac airlines the chinese state-run airlines at the time and I was coming over with dad in first class on Pan Am, and when I got on CAAC, my response was, Dad, there must be something wrong with the tickets. Like, what's going on here? Um, and then when I got into to communist China, uh, it was fascinating, don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. you could see that it was drab. Mm -hmm. um, it was, and the fear, like you said, of the government was there, so much so that we had two people that were with us at all times. Mm -hmm. um, and I could, even as a young person, see that he was nervous that he might at any point say the wrong thing oh yeah and i remember the most one of the things i remember the most is we were at the uh, terracotta warriors which is in a city called xi'an and it's a famous tourist attraction and the our handler if i get lack of a better mm -hmm. word asked me if i could read in english the sign now in sixth grade any american child can read english mm -hmm even me and so i you know read it and he went up to my father and he was like y your son just read that at, you know from top to bottom is he gifted and my father was like what no <laughs> uh, i'm like oh i mean yeah i don't know talk to his mother but uh, i found it to be you know it was just such a different culture so that is my i wouldn't say survivor story but that is how when i saw it for the first time, uh, I said to myself, I, I don't like communism. I don't think mm -hmm. it's, it's for me. So I, I enjoyed it much more when I was able to get home and get back to my Nintendo and my things that American children, even today, <laughs> don't realize that aren't worldwide, you know. So that was my, that's my communism. Do you, um, in comparison to his mm -hmm. story, do you recall from your childhood um, children or people in general going around in fear, having that fear of the government? I think we all always had it, you know, like you go again to the airport, even when I was young, you know, let's say when I'm traveling to Russia, you go through passport control, you hand them your passport and you internally like worried, what if there's something wrong when it's like one paper, there's something wrong, there's no visa. I mean, you know, it's you, it's there, but you just internally know that they are their authority and they can just, you know, turn you away. Yeah, fear of government is always there. Cens censorship, of course, you know, you, um, it's like um, political pressure. You always have to worry about what to say, where to say you. There is no freedom of speech. So there was, ne again, no, no, right now, probably more now, but, you know, you have to watch what to say, where to say, and, uh, you know, and of course... So it's kind of like Facebook, but alive. Yeah. Yes. I'm kidding. Yes. I'm kidding everybody on Facebook. I love you. Don't ban me. Um, but it's kind of like that. So yeah. Censorship all right. is but a, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say. So is it starting to look 
at all like that to you now with this censorship going on and the mm -hmm. wokeness that you were talking about? Yep. Are you seeing similarities? Yeah, that's how I mentioned it earlier. Yeah, that's what exactly I start feeling this very, we're heading in the wrong direction here. And uh, I think many of us who came here don't want to see the here. That's the reason we well, came. We're here, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. we don't, you know, we wanted to live the way we were. We wouldn't have come here to begin with. So, yeah, that's definitely a concern. There's nowhere else to go is what I like to say to yeah, people. Yeah, that's like, it. This, this is, is it. There's no other there's no other mm -mm. beacon of freedom and hope and all that good stuff. Yeah, so, correct. Uh, all right. We better fight for it. We better fight for it, I guess. Better, abs yeah. abs <laughs> absolutely. So, do you have any further remarks you'd like to share with our audience on communism, communism survivor before we wrap it up, I think? I I think you guys your questions were great, and I think I love that conversation flow. Of Excellent. Conversation there, now, so there is, I, I did read your bio before you okay. came on, <laughs> and I did notice at one point that you were, for charity, of course, because mm -hmm. as you are now an American, you're getting right into charity. So you've already, yes. you've become an American very fast. There you go. <laughs> I did hear you were on Dancing with the Stars. So my question to you is, what song did you dance to? Do you remember? Yes, I do. What was it? Because it was actually my favorite movie, um, Dirty Dancing. That was my, all right, okay. And you danced to, to uh, that final the time. Of my and who was your husband, your dance partner, or did you get no, partnered up with a professional? No, that's, you pair up with a At least one of us should be professional. <laughs> now, did, how far did you make it in the in the competition? Did you? Well, it's uh, the way. The, oh, it's for charity. It's so for it's charity, kind of so like it's just a grand trophy or you just there. You know, the, not, you know I think there was like a, maybe a score, the best score, the best fan fundraising. So I think unless you for top two or three, the rest is just the same. So I, there was 10, 10 couples, so I didn't make it to the very top. But Interesting. So earlier you were talking, when you were talking about before, I want to, I know we're wrapping it up, but you were talking about Robin Williams in uh -huh. Moscow on the Hudson. Are you a coffee drinker? Yes. What's your favorite brand, Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks? Um... I do it at home. I don't go to the coffee shop. Okay, but if you were out and you had to, Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks? Probably Starbucks. Uh -huh. America runs on Dunkin's, Allah. Come on. Okay. Hey, actually, I'm kidding, I don't really I'm care. I, I actually, know. any coffee would do it. Mark, to save her there, she does own a uh, ice cream that's shop. That's true, by the way. That is, I forgot to mention that. Everybody, Allah <laughs> owns an ice cream shop. And if you want to talk about escaping communism and sticking it in their face, opening an ice cream shop <laughs> is go. as good as it comes. But did you tell me earlier you don't like ice cream? No. Oh, my I, God. Are you sure you're not a communist? Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. okay, I like any kind of the desserts. Okay. I love desserts. I just don't, I can eat ice cream, but I have to be really in the mood for that. Very rarely I do get. And if I do, it's like it cannot be uh, soft soft from McDonald's or whatever. It, it has, has to, to be, be a the real, real you deal. Need, yeah, I understand A that. real deal, yeah. All right, well, Joy, do you have any follow-up or ending questions? I think this has been great. Thank oh, you for thank you. opening your eyes to what it's like and... Thank you. Yes, I, I want to just thank you for just telling us the story. It's it's often fascinating to me, and I think to viewers to just hear about what life was like back mm -hmm. then. I mean, I know from my experience, um, growing up, we were taught not. I wasn't. I shouldn't say I was taught that like Russia was an enemy, but we always, you know, the, mm -hmm. the during the Cold War, it was, yeah. you know, like the the Russians were the enemies in the movies mm -hmm. and you know things like that. So in the end, though, it's all the people themselves are, are aren't the governments, and I think that's a lesson that we all need to learn. But I also think we need to learn that um, we should listen to the folks who have survived it and uh, yes. not try to bring it here. Please no. don't. No, no. no. Let's I don't want to hear. No, not at all. Let's no, let's stick hear. to ice cream. Yes. And no military classes. We'll stick to dodgeball. Although <laughs> I don't know what's worse, dodgeballs to the face or the AK-47 <laughs> training. But 
Anyway, I want to thank all of you for joining us today with Allah. It was a fantastic conversation here on Communism Survivor. We will be back. I'm not sure when, but we will be going to continue this great series on Communism Survivor. If you know somebody who might want to be a guest on our program, give us an email at info at ASCF.us. And we will get right back to you. We thank you so much for tuning in, Ali. It was seriously a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. It was a great conversation. Yes, Joy, Ollie. thank you as always for joining with me. And we will see you all soon. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you.